But this morning, I want you to take your Bible and open it to the book of Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3, and I want to show you this morning a phrase that appears not once or twice, but three times in the book of Hebrews. Now, the Bible only has to say something one time to be an authoritative, uh, inspired word from God. But when the Bible says something on more than one occasion, we ought to pay close attention to what is being said. And you'll find it interesting that this phrase that is quoted three times is actually a quote from the Old Testament. So in Hebrews chapter 3, you're going to find the phrase first in verse 7, where the scripture says, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Now notice verse 15, where it's repeated while it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. And then if you go to chapter 4, the last phrase of verse 7, as it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Now, these three passages of Scripture, along with some others that we could read, very clearly imply that God still speaks to people today. But I am amazed how many people today are reluctant to acknowledge that God is speaking to them. You know, many years ago when I was a young preacher and I would preach in primarily across North Alabama, I could go to churches like Bethel and we'd have a service and Maybe if it was a multi-day revival, the pastor would ask on the last night, does anybody have a word of testimony to give? And people would stand and say, I have a word. And they would say things like, you know, God spoke to me this week about sin in my life. Or someone else would say, God spoke to me about going and making right a relationship. Someone else would stand and say, God spoke to me about giving to meet a need. It was nothing uncommon to hear people stand and say that God had spoken to them. But can I tell you in these last few years of traveling as a preacher, I rarely hear anybody say publicly that God is speaking to them. And I began to wonder, well, is it because God is ceased speaking? I don't think so. I just think we've reached a point in our culture when no one wants to acknowledge that God is speaking to them. And I think I understand why. Do you realize we're living in a time when the only people who say publicly that God is speaking to them are people who are trying to justify some bizarre action or some poor decision? I remember listening uh, on 2020 as a national news program and several years ago, they were interviewing a serial killer, a mass murderer in California, a man who was a professional man, a man who was a very educated man. And for reasons that only he knows, he murdered over 15 people, maybe more. And so they looked at this man who was very educated, who had a good job, a professional man, and they looked at him and said, even the prosecuting attorney says that he cannot discern your motive. So why did you kill these people? And the man looked into the camera and he said, I did it because God told me to do it. 
Now, do you know as a traveling preacher, I have heard people in my life try to justify everything from murder to, to adultery to, to stealing to every other sin you can imagine. And when you ask them about it, they'll say, well, the Lord told me to do it. Well, can I help you with that today? Can I tell you that the voice of God never tells anybody to do anything that contradicts the word of God? The voice of God is consistent with the word of God. So when you hear somebody say that, you say, well, did they hear? Now, they may have heard a voice, but it wasn't the voice of God. Because God's voice is always consistent with the word of God. But now, sometimes it's not as black and white. What do you do if maybe you go to work this week and there's someone who comes in and tells the boss that they're turning in their notice and they're going to be quitting in two weeks? And so you ask that person, well, uh, hey, do you have another job? No, I, I don't have another job. Well, uh, are you having some health problems? No, I'm healthy. Well, did you inherit some money? No, I didn't inherit any money. Well, are you having a problem with uh, the boss? No. Well, then why are you quitting? And they look at you and say, well, I'm quitting because God told me to quit. You can't look at those people and be as quick to say that God did not speak to them. But when you put all of that together, it seems the only people who say they hear the voice of God are people trying to justify some bizarre action or sin or what appears to be an irrational business decision. But here's the result. Because we hear those people say they hear God so much, when we come to church and God legitimately speaks to us, we sometimes are reluctant to obey his voice because we're afraid if we do, people will view us with a skeptical eye. So what I want to do this morning is preach the simplest sermon you've ever heard. I'm not going to tell you anything this morning you don't already know. But I believe over the next few minutes that God is going to speak to people in this room today. He's going to tell you there's a decision that you need to make. And in a few moments, when we have the invitation, I'm going to invite you to obey the voice of God. And I promise you, if you come today and do what God told you to do, that no one in this room will view you with a skeptical eye, but instead they will rejoice that you obeyed the voice of God. Amen. For example, you know there's probably some people here, and I don't know who you are. I didn't discuss it with Hal or Brother Bill, but I preached long enough to know in a crowd this size, there are probably some people sitting here today and you hear the voice of God telling you that you need to become a member of Bethel, uh, Baptist Church. That this is the place where you need to plant your life and your membership. Now, you know, as a traveling preacher, I'm amazed when I go to churches how often that I meet people who uh, will come to a church and they come on a regular basis. But for one reason or the other, they don't see the importance of planting their life and membership in that church. I remember preaching one night in the close of the service. This lady come to me. I'm sure she was a very sincere, godly woman. I don't question that. But she came to me and she said, Preacher, I want you to know I'm not joining this church. Matter of fact, I'm not joining any church. And I said, Well, I'm curious. Uh, why won't you be willing to 
join this church or any other church. She said, oh, I, I'm not going to join any church because I'm going to glean from all the churches. I said, really? She said, oh, yeah, I'm coming to the special day here, and next week there's a church, and they're having a, a workshop, and I'm going to go to that church, and then there's a church over here, they're having a singing, and I'm going to go to that church, and I'm just going to gather from all the churches. And I guess she thought I would be impressed. But I looked at her and I said, I'm so sorry to hear that. She said, sorry for what? I said, I'm so sorry that you will never grow as a Christian. She said, oh, I'm, I, you misunderstood. I'm going to go to church and I'm going to gather from all the churches. I said, oh, I understood you. But I repeat what I said. You're not going to grow as a Christian. She said, why do you say that? I said, because God designed Christian growth to come through our involvement and our identification or membership in a local New Testament church. That when we plan our life in one church and with the people in that church, we work together and pray together, that's when we grow as a Christian. She said, so you don't think that I can live the Christian life unless I'm a member of a church? I said, now, by your definition, I didn't say that. I said, you wouldn't grow as a Christian. Now, you may be able to live a Christian life, a moral life, but I said, you're not going to grow. And I said, let me explain it to you this way. By virtue of traveling, and I have to do, I fly quite a bit. And when I get ready to fly, I drive over to Huntsville, Alabama, and I go over there, and I get on an airplane, and I don't know why, but if you've ever flown, you understand when I say, I don't know why they designed it this way, but almost every airplane that leaves Huntsville, Alabama is going to go through Atlanta, Georgia. Did you know that? I mean, they do. You got, I, I've told people I've done that so much, I am convinced when I die, I'll go through Atlanta to go to heaven. <laughs> and I'll probably be stuck there waiting two hours to get to glory. I don't know. But I said, you know, sometimes I get on that airplane and we'll take off, and boy, we're making great time. And I'm thinking, we're going to get to Atlanta early. I'm going to have plenty of time to get to my next plane. And then the pilot comes on. And he'll say, folks, it's a little congested today in Atlanta. And I just need to tell you that uh, they told us that it's going to be a few minutes before we can have a, a landing slot. So we're going to go into a holding pattern until we're cleared to land. Now, I've flown long enough. I know what that means. It means we're going to fly around in circles until they tell us we can land. And you can fly around for 30 minutes just going around and around waiting to land. And I told that lady, I said, now, lady, know what you think about that airplane. It's flying, but it's not going anywhere. And I said, in the same way, you can live the Christian life and not be going anywhere, not growing in your Christian life. And I said, because God sovereignly designed Christian growth to come through our membership in and our involvement in a local New Testament church. That's what he designed. Now, sometimes people think they've got such great excuses. I'm amazed at the reasons people will give you for not joining a church. I was in South Alabama several years ago. There was a couple in the church where I was preaching. They probably were in their late 60s, maybe their early 70s, if I guess. And they were two of the most beloved people in that church. I mean, everybody loved this couple. I mean, church was over with. People just kind of gravitated to them. They were the most optimistic, affirming, positive people you've ever met in your life. 
And so one day when I was there, I said to the preacher, I said, you know, that couple, everybody loves that couple. He said, oh, they do. They're the most encouraging people you've ever been around in your life. And I said, you are so blessed to have that couple in your church. And he paused. And he said, you know, Phil, that's a strange thing. They're not members of our church. I said, that couple, they've been here every service. He said, oh, they come all the time. They just never joined our church. They're members of some church out west somewhere, and they've never joined our church. And I said, well, why don't they join? He said, I don't know. I said, well, how long have they been coming? He said, well, I've been the pastor for five years. They was coming before I got here, and when I talked to people, nobody can remember a time when they weren't coming to our church. And I said, well, why don't they join? He said, I told you, I don't know. I said, well, why don't you ask them? He said, "Uh, I'm not going to ask them. He said, well, if I ask them, they'll get mad and leave, and then people get mad at me, and they'll run me off. Then I saw that look coming. He said, but you know, Brother Phil, you leaving Wednesday night. Why don't you ask them? And I said, okay, I will. So we had this lunch on Wednesday, and I said to the lady, I said, you know, everybody in this church just loves you and your husband. Oh, we love them, Brother Phil. We just love this church. And I said, well, I said, you know, they tell me the strangest thing. They tell me you're not members of this church. No, we're not, Brother Phil. We're members of some church out west. She told me where. And she said, you know, we may move back out there someday. And if we do, our church membership is waiting on us. I said, well, how long have you been going to church here? God is my witness. She said, 42 years. <laughs> You've been going to this church. We've been going to this church for 42 years. Uh, but she said, but we may move back there someday. And if we do, our church membership's waiting on us. And I looked at her and I said, ma'am, can I just share with you? And I shared with her about Christian growth and how it happened. I said, now let me tell you what I think the Lord wants you to do. I think you and your husband need to plant your life in this church, be a member of this church, start growing as a Christian. If circumstances change and you move back out west, you can always move your membership back out there. But while you're here, you need to plant your life and your membership in this church, and you're going to be amazed when you do how you begin to grow as a Christian. That act of commitment changes everything. She said, well, I'll talk to my husband and We'll see what he says. And so that night we had the service, and I remember we gave the invitation. The first two people to step out was that man and woman. And they came forward, and I knew in my heart why they were coming. They were coming to be members of that church. And so they came forward, and they said something to the pastor. And I got to tell you, I saw that pastor do something that I don't think I'd ever seen in church before. The preacher got tickled. He's laughing. The couple's just standing there. And then later in the service, he said, folks, I'm sorry I was laughing, but i got to tell you what that man said to me with a straight face. He looked at me and he said, preacher, we prayed about it long enough. We're going to join the church. (laughs) Can I help you this morning? You don't have to wait 42 years wondering if it's God's will to join this church. Listen, people want it all the time. Well, I just don't know where should I be. Here's the answer. Your church membership ought to be where you are. And if this is the place where you're getting blessed and fed and ministry, 
is where the Lord wants you to be. But see, the devil wants you to keep putting it off because the devil knows you're going to stay in that holding pattern and you're not going to get out of that holding pattern and start growing in your Christian life until you make that commitment. Now, again, I don't know who that applies to this morning, but let me tell you, there may be some of you, you may have been coming here for 42 years. I don't know. But you know this is the place that you need to be. You and your spouse need to be. Your family needs to be in this church and be a member. So why don't you just say, all right, we're going to obey the voice of God. And in a few moments when we give the invitation, you just step out and come. Brother Bill's going to be standing here in the front. And you just come and say, we want to come. I want to come. We want to be a part of this church. You say, well, why? I didn't talk about that. Before the, We didn't talk about it as a family. Okay, here's how you can talk about it while I'm preaching. You just take your spouse or your family by the hand. You squeeze it real hard one good time. And that's your way of saying, we're going to join this morning. And I'm telling you, people will rejoice that you came, that your family came to be a part of this church. But the best part is you obeyed the voice of God. And you're going to start growing again in your Christian life. But I want to tell you there's another group sitting here. And you're going to hear the voice of God in a few moments speak to you. And here's what he's going to clearly say to you. That you need to follow the Lord in believers' baptism. Now, you know I'm amazed, too, at how many people there are in churches that they know they're saved. If you talk to them, they'll tell you they're saved. They're going to heaven. But they have never followed the Lord in believers' baptism. But can I tell you something? And I want you to understand this very clearly. Baptism is not essential to our salvation, but it is essential as an act of obedience and discipleship. You see, once we become a Christian, the first step God calls us to do is to follow him in believer's baptism. And baptism is a picture. It literally is a picture of saying that I identify with Christ, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. It is your way of telling people, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. But I'm amazed how I've met everyone from children to teenagers to adults to senior adults who know they're Christian, but they've never taken that step. So in a few moments, when we give the invitation, would you be willing to come and say, you know what, I need to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. But I'm going to take that issue one step further. And there may be some of you sitting here today and you say, Brother Phil, I'm real confused about this because I, I'm already a member of the church. I, I've gone through the baptismal pool, but I'm not, I, I've never been at peace about my baptism. I'm always bothered about it. Why is it when I see people baptized, it's like I hear a voice saying, you need to do that. Well, maybe you're like a youth minister who came to see me years ago. He sat in our home and this was the essence of our conversation he said, Brother Phil, there's something missing in my Christian life, and I don't know what it is. He said, I've done everything I know to do. I, you know, I read the Bible through in a year. I, I went on a mission trip. I've confessed all my sins, but there's just something missing in my Christian life. And I said, well, why don't you tell me your life story? Maybe I identify the problem. He said, well, there's not much to tell. He said, I grew up going to church. He said, when I was seven or eight years old, we had a vacation Bible school commencement service. I was sitting on a row with a group of boys. The boy on the end went forward, and the next boy went, so we just all got up and went forward. He said, I remember the only thing that happened was they sent us over to this room, and when I got in the room, this lady came in with a clipboard and asked us her name, address, parents' name, what phone number was, and 
they just brought us back in. And all I remember the preacher saying is all these boys want to be a part of the church. And said we were baptized, but nobody talked to us. Nobody prayed with us. I, I just went forward because all those other boys went. He said, but I went all the years going through the youth group. But he said, when I was in college, I came to understand what it meant to be a genuine Christian and follower of Christ. And while I was in college, for the first time, I gave my heart and my life to Jesus. And it was then that I was saved. And after that, a church asked me to help with their young people, and I've been doing that ever since. I said, now, wait a minute. You tell me you were saved when you were in college. That's right. All right, now tell me, when were you baptized? Oh, I told you I was baptized when I was a, a, a young boy. But you tell me you were saved when you were in college. That's right. I said, let me help you. The New Testament order is for us to be convicted by the Holy Spirit, for us to be converted, and after our salvation, to be baptized. You see, in the Bible, baptism never precedes salvation. It always follows salvation. But you know what happened to that young youth director has happened to some of you. When you were young, you went through a decision, you were baptized, but at some later point in your life, you know you were saved. But since you've been saved, you haven't followed him in believer's baptism. I've watched people from teenagers all the way up to a lady who was 92-year-old come forward and say, I have wondered for 80 years what's been missing, and now I know what it is. Because she said, for all of those years, I sit in church, and I heard the Spirit of God say, you need to follow me in baptism. And I never understood why. And she said, then I realized it comes after I was saved, not before I was saved. And she said, I got it in the right order. Can I tell you, that's what may have happened to some of you. And this morning, you may just have to set your pride aside and come and just say, you know what? I'm like Brother Phil said. I really look at my, my life and my conviction. And I know I've got it out of order, and I want to get it in the right order so I can get on to step three, four, five, and six for my Christian life, all in being obedient about step number one of obeying the voice of God and following him in baptism. But can I tell you, there's one other thing I know God will speak to people about today, and I'm going to mention it just briefly, but it's most important. You're sitting here today, and you hear the voice of God saying to you, that you need to give your heart to Jesus, that today you need to be saved. I'm amazed whenever I preach, there's always people in the building who, who have never given their heart to Jesus. And maybe, you know, they come and they listen, and this may be true of you, if you're a boy or girl, teenager, or a man or woman. In a few minutes when we sing, you know the voice of God is speaking to you and telling you need to be saved, but you're just a little reluctant to respond. A little risk to obey. And maybe the reason is because you're afraid. And you're afraid, well, if I come forward today, wow, is the preacher going to ask me, you know, to name the 66 books of the Bible or the 12 apostles or name the Ten Commandments? No, none of that's going to happen. You see, the devil wants you to be intimidated and afraid. But you don't have to be intimidated and afraid. So in a few moments, after I'll have a prayer and Hell will lead us in singing, and your pastor is going to be here. I'm going to invite you just to come to where he is standing. And when you can come, here's what you say. I'm not a Christian, and I want to be.
He'll take the conversation from that point, and either he or someone will sit down with you in a way that will not embarrass you, in a very simple way, help you to give your heart and your life to Jesus. You know what I hear uh, from so many people? We have a service like this, and, and people have leaving the service who have trusted Christ. The number one thing I hear from them was that was not nearly as hard as I thought it was going to be. Because, see, the devil wants you to think it's hard. The devil wants you to think it's something to fear. The devil wants you to think you're going to be embarrassed. But none of that's going to be true. And I'm going to tell you something else. When you come this morning to give your heart to Jesus, you know what else is going to happen? Every Christian in this place is going to rejoice that you gave your heart to Jesus. So let me ask you, what is he telling you to do today? Is he telling you you need to be saved? Is the voice of God telling you that you need to come for baptism? Is he telling you that you need to be a member of this church? Well, whatever he's telling you today, I want you to do it because I want you to heed the words of the writer of Hebrews that if today, in this service, right now, you hear his voice, don't harden your heart, but do what he is telling you to do. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. And in just a few moments... We're going to stand and we'll sing something together. But, you know, really during this time, it's, it's not about the singing. So if you want to sing, fine. If you don't want to sing, that's fine. How can just lead us? And in just a moment after I pray, we'll start that song. And Brother Bill's going to be standing here in front of this platform. And I'm going to invite you this morning to do what he's told you to do. Maybe you're here and you're not a Christian and you've never trusted Christ. I'm just going to invite you just to slip from where you'll be standing and come to where he is standing. As I said, tell him, I'm not a Christian and I want to be. Maybe you're standing by someone, maybe your spouse, maybe a friend, maybe your mom or dad, and say, I want to go. Will you go with me? And I promise you they'll come with you. Maybe you're here and you know you've trusted Christ, you're a Christian, but you haven't followed him in baptism then I'm going to invite you to come and say today, I want to follow the Lord in baptism. I'm saved. I want to follow him in baptism. Or maybe you need to come and say, you know, I'm what Brother Phil talked about. I'm one of those people. I'm a member of this church, but I've got it out of order. And maybe some of you need to come and say today is the day I want to, we want to place our life and our membership in this church. But in these next few moments, whatever he tells you to do, I want you to do it. Father, you are speaking to hearts right now, and I pray as we'll stand and begin to sing that without any hesitation, you would help people to step out and come and do what you've told them to do. For we're asking in Jesus' name, amen and amen. We stand, okay, we start stand. to sing. You come on right now. Will you do it? He's speaking.